from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got a great show for you today, Seth. Kaiser from Arrowhead Pride is back with us as usual. We're going to do the season-end film session wrap-up, as well as talk about the future of this team, uh, draft moves... GM moves and that kind of thing. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics, as well as a writer over at uh, ChiefsDigest.com. Make sure you check out LockedOnChiefs.com for all of our content, as well as all of our podcasts. This one's a doozy. Uh, it's dang near an hour, so we're just going to get right to it. Well, let's not go there. I- I'm looking for a rant. Oh, okay. I, I got to figure <laughs> out something to rant about then. I did have a few people tell me that we need to trade Justin Houston, and that made me want to like slam my head into a wall, so that was fun. But I just I'm I'm, I'm very wow, chill. We'll, we'll explode on that later. <laughs> I'm very I'm very chill about everything right now, man. I have no rants to give. I it just everything's pretty everything's pretty relaxed. I you know I I did the big you know the narratives about Andy Reid are wrong article. I was pretty fired up about that. But since then, I've become quite zen. Hmm. Folks, uh, Seth is squarely in Pro Bowl mold. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm mailing it in at this point. Maybe sipping a Mai Tai with that delay. I like it. <laughs> He's back from Arrowhead Pride. It's the three of us again. And, uh, man, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, Seth's got a great piece out there on what, what he thinks should go on. You know me. I, I'm pretty much take the GM point of view all year long. So we have some things that I think, Chris, you should really start us off about what your primary topic is. I just want to talk about, and I know we we will get your article. I want to talk about real quick your article about uh, the Titans game because you gift every single play in the second half. You talked about uh, you know whether or not Andy Reid called the plays. We don't know. Nagy said he called them all. Regardless, uh, there was a certain sequence there where there was a muff punt and Kansas City recovered. Can you talk about those next three plays? Um, sure. If you remind me which yeah. ones they were. I um I I can I can call up uh, the first one. I think the first one uh, probably doesn't matter near as much. I think it was a run with Kareem Hunt. The second one was a two yard loss to Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, where he had Demetrius Harris. Um. Yeah, and so these yeah, are the, that these... one, and the next one was the Wilson was Wilson. All right. Let's uh. Yeah. This, so the second drive after the muff punt, um. So the the first one, yeah, the first one was it was just a a handoff to Hunt that didn't go anywhere. It appears to be an RPO, um, and that's one thing that I would just really point out to people. A lot of people are talking a lot about you know deciding to run, not deciding to run, deciding to give Hunt the ball, not deciding to give Hunt the ball. Well, when half your offense consists of RPOs, that's not in the coach's hands, right? I mean, that's and that's one thing I've really been hammering home to people is that a lot of that decision is Alex. And so you can say, oh, they didn't drop enough plays for Hunt. And I, you know what? I agree. They should have drawn up more for Hunt. However, the RPO plays has been the bread and butter. It was the bread and butter of the offense for the second half of the season once they got over that hump. And you're basically saying, well, they should have gone away from what had them successful. And that's silly. Um, so the next play... Well, I, I disagree with you. It's not silly at all. You got a you got a scheme for your opponent, and Tennessee Titans were worst against the running backs catching passes, and they were not able to stop the run when they were gashed outside the tackles, especially on zone outside. So I have to disagree with you. I do blame the play call because RPO should not have been called. But they they resulted in open receivers and and open running lanes. And so to me, anytime a play call succeeds, I'm not going to blame the coach for calling it. You know, like like the RPO, the first one that I looked at, you know, Alex gave it to Hunt, and in my opinion, there 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 was a shallow in at the top of the at the left side that would have uh, would have been open, um, and then the run itself actually would have been fine had Harris reached his secondary defender, and he didn't. He just had a failure on blocking there, and so to me, to blame the coaching for an execution failure like that, you know, the setup of the play worked. It put everyone in a position to succeed, and the players didn't do their job. And so, like, say on the, uh, the 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 second and eleven, okay, the one that you're the one that you're talking about, yes, this was um, Brian Baldinger broke this second one down too. Um, this was, I think, this is where Alex checked down to Tyreek Hill, 
um, when protection broke down. Yes, this is. This, this is yeah. one of the plays that had people saying, oh, they were calling a bunch of screens. Absolutely not. This was not a screen. This wasn't a horizontal throw. This wasn't even an RPO. Um, this was the, there was a variety of route combos going on here. And so I think, Chris, what you're talking about is Demetrius Harris came open down the seam beyond the shallow linebacker and prior to the safety coming down, and Alex just didn't pull the trigger. Is that the one you're talking about? That's exactly the one I'm talking about. It was interesting because Brian Baldinger spent all season defending Alex Smith, right? I mean, talking about he's doing a good job, people need to know what they're talking about, et cetera, et cetera. And then after the Titans game, he just roasted them. Um, and that was one of the plays he just said, you have to make that throw. And it was kind of interesting. Someone pointed out to me later that, you know, the, um, the, the, the first big throw Patrick Mahomes made against the Broncos, um, down the seam to Harris. Yeah. It, it was a rel, not exactly. There were some differences there, but it was, yeah, it was relatively similar, similar though. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. It was relatively. Yep. And that's, and here's the thing. That's the kind of route that Alex has thrown before. Um, he just didn't this time, and then the very next play. Um, Let me ask you real quick on that though. What if it's Travis Kelsey? Does yeah. he throw that ball? I have no idea. I Do really you think don't. He throws that ball? You know, I, I I wish he would. Either way, because you you you've right. got to go. You've got to go with the most uh, with the most with, with the guy who's you know he's 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 open. Whereas Alex didn't, and instead he checked down to Hill, who had nothing. I mean, there was just nothing. Right. And then the very next play, that's this is the other one that you were talking about. It was third and thirteen. Um, if if you look at the routes, uh, uh, Albert Wilson, uh, Ryan's guy. Uh, came open <laughs> across the middle of the field right on the 20-yard line with some room to spare. And if he's hit in stride, not even perfect, but in stride, he's got a good chance at, at either running across the middle of the field or diving forward and getting a first down. And instead, Alex, um, he he thought he would be able to sneak through the opening um, in between the, uh, the, in between the, in the A-gap between the center and the left guard. And, you know, try to sprint for a first down because the Titans were in man. Um, but their, their their tackles were able to converge on him. And here's the thing. Even if they hadn't, the safety had seen him do that and was going to catch him anyway. So those were two plays in a row where – and look, I, I didn't do a film review of Alex Smith from that game because at a certain point you're beating a dead horse. I've written more about Alex than any human being alive. Um, but those were two plays where it was pure execution failure. Um. And those are plays your quarterback has to make. And so that's why, you know, I wrote about, you know, Andy Reid. Yeah, man, I wish they would have targeted the running backs more. I wish they would have, you know, maybe maybe it would have worked doing things outside of some of the stuff that they normally do, you know, running more to more outside zones instead of inside zones. You know, maybe it would have worked. But what frustrates me is that the stuff they did worked outside of failures by Alex or receiver or an individual offensive lineman, often Witzman. The NFL playoffs are finally here, and I want to tell you guys about MyBookie.ag, the number one rated online sports book. With your fantasy football season over, the only way to use your sports knowledge to win cash is by betting at MyBookie, sports book that makes it easy to deposit and even easier to cash out your winnings fast. They have odds on everything, live betting in an all-new prop builder. Create your own bet slips, bet how you want. You can bet your friends LeBron will score 30 points and have 10 assists. Why not bet it at MyBookie and put your money where your mouth is? You can bet from your desktop, your tablet, or their world-class mobile site that lets you bet anytime and anywhere. MyBookie offers the fastest, no-hassle payouts when you win. Join now. MyBookie will match your deposit up to 50% bonus. That's free money right there, folks. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON when making your account. Visit MyBookieAG today and bet the Internet's favorite sportsbook, where you play, you win, you get paid. And that was my point. That was the whole reason I wanted to bring this up is those are two plays that you cannot have your quarterback not try to make in the playoff game. Right. Yeah, in the playoffs, windows are smaller. Um, defenses are more game plan to you. You're not going to have as many options. And this is what I, you know, what I've always, what I've been saying from the beginning of the year. Um, Alex does a good job when the offense is winning, when the scheme is winning. And sometimes, every now and then, he'll have a game where he just like, it's, you know, like the Redskins game, right? Or the Texans game. But 
generally speaking, Alex is good when the offense is running well. When things break down, he is not, you know, the rising, the tide that, you know, lifts all boats. That's yep. just not his thing. The way I see it, in any given game, you probably have, I don't know, maybe 20 plays or so where your scheme doesn't win when you're an Andy Reid run club. Because his scheme wins a lot. Um, and in, of those 20 plays, the way I see it, um, you need your individual players, whether it's your running back on a running play or your quarterback on a passing play, you need them to be able on half of those plays at least make something happen, right? And Alex doesn't do that. You know, Kareem Hunt does occasionally. Um, and I think for a running back, it's harder on a play where you get blown up in the backfield. Um, but I just, you know, and again, you know, the Alex debates will go on forever. But those the, that game very much... It confirmed a lot of things about Alex for anyone that was really looking. The funny thing is, because he played well in the first half, if people were looking for the other way, it confirmed their beliefs too. (laughs) Well, also, you know, let me segue you before we go any deeper than that. I want to ask you uh, what you just mentioned about Kareem Hunt being at the mercy of, of being blown up in the backfield, because I had an interesting conversation this week with Jeff Schwartz. And my contention is that I think. Andy Heck's taken this offensive unit, this group of linemen, as far as he can. I, I give him all the credit in the world for what's happened with LDT and the fact that Zach Fulton has turned into a multi-position player that he's at least functional at. But I feel like Eric Fisher kind of stagnated this year, and I'm not wondering if they don't need a higher-intensity, more-in-your-face, uh, honestly, the, the theme of, this, uh, of the offseason for me, a more aggressive offensive line coach. They can take this unit beyond where they are now. Am I am I out of sorts? Am I alone on this opinion? Man, I didn't, you know, it was interesting. I saw that interaction. You know, Schwartz seems to have a really high opinion of Andy Heck. Um, and, you know, I guess fair enough, right? I mean, I, I'm not – They played for him. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. You know, you have a personal relationship. I don't blame Jeff at all. I, I, I love what he does, and I tweet him out all the time. I don't think he quite realizes it because he felt like he was attacked a little bit, I think. Well, he look, and I'll say this bluntly, and I'd say this if he were a guest here, and I'd say this to him on Twitter. Jeff doesn't handle being disagreed with well. I, he just doesn't, regardless of who does it or how they do it. Now, he was very kind to me once when he thought I got something wrong, but I was very like, oh, my bad. What's the right thing? You know what I mean? And he was really nice about it then. Mm-hmm. And I've got a good relationship with Jeff, but I and I like him a lot. He's got a great sense of humor. And, and like 99% of the time when he's responding to people the way he does, it's because they're being dill weeds. And so I think you got swept up with the dill weeds, Ryan. Um I've yeah, and I think then that's what I mean by he doesn't always handle being disagreed with well because he gets attacked way more than I do, and I've responded to people like that too, and so and so mm-hmm. I I probably should have phrased that better, you know. Now I'm going after Jeff Schwartz anyway. Um, he he does a good job, but I do think he kind of bit your head off a bit. Um, I think I think that's <laughs> just because the types of things he's normally responding to, like oh yeah, but you you barely played, bro. You know that kind of crap. It's like really that's that's what we're doing. Sure. We're mocking a guy for making ten million bucks in the NFL. Yeah, poor dude. Anyway, <laughs> I do think though, Jeff played for a variety of teams, um, and he's showing a willingness to to go after guys that he used to play with. And so I'm not sure. You know, I don't know if like loyalty would make him be so kind. I, I, I there must be something to Andy Heck for Jeff to defend him so vociferously, as it were. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I do think it's tough to tell because like, so some of the guys, and this is a good argument someone made to me once, you know, Mitch Morse, probably good with anyone. LDT, from what we're finding out about him, for one, LDT is a, a physical specimen, right? And he's also, mm-hmm. he's also smart enough to be a doctor. So, and he seems like a hardworking guy too. And so that guy, was he, yeah, I agree. he was probably going to succeed anywhere. Um, Mitch Schwartz, he's he was an all pro level before he got here. Um, Zach Fulton was actually known as a pretty decent technician in college already. And so the question becomes, you know, you know the whole what is it you really say it is you do here? Um, and I think that's a decent question. Unfortunately, I just don't know the answer. I do know, like you said, Fisher definitely took a step back this year. He was disappointing. Because he'd gotten better every year, and last year he had kind of risen to the point where he was an above-average tackle. 
And I thought, oh, okay, this mm-hmm. is good. But then this year, I there were a lot of plays where the, the edge got given up. Now, I did have one person point out to me that this year he was back to playing with kind of a rotating cast of characters at left guard. Rather I said than- that on Monday. Oh, really? I said that on Monday's show. Yeah. yeah. And that so- was, that's kind of what I think is one of the things that Fisher really struggles with is when he doesn't have somebody that he really trusts next to him. Yeah, it, uh, and I don't know how you you coach that out of somebody. I, I, um, yeah, I don't know either. But some of his stuff, it just seems like the basic strength stuff seemed to be a problem again. Sometimes he just wasn't as good as he was last year. He's getting beat around the edge, and so I don't know. Fisher has everything you want in a left tackle physically. Um, you know, great length, great great size. Um, seems like a, a mean dude, but even his run blocking took a step back this year. And his run blocking has always been good, it's, except like maybe his rookie year it wasn't. But his his run blocking has been really good. Last year it was superb, and this year it seemed to take a step. Yeah, back. wasn't he? Wasn't he like an alternate for the Pro Bowl last year? I don't even know. I know he played well, um, but yeah. So that was weird. And so I I really wouldn't have a problem with it, especially with you know some of the issues they had this year with blocking assignments before they simplified the system. That shouldn't happen. And so it is, I really, I'm pretty lukewarm on Andy Heck, but seeing Jeff be so like at go to bat for him, I'm, I'm kind of like a, eh, well, all right, kind of position, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, inside perspective, right? And he yeah. did have a stat at me that caught me off guard. Um, and I'm not a, a huge subscriber to football outsiders, but uh, according to Jeff, and I did go check it, that on third and fourth and short, <laughs> Chiefs supposedly had the best success rate in the league. And yeah. while that may be true, I'm certainly not going to call them out it or football outsiders. I'm not going to tell them they're wrong. But watching the games, analyzing the games, the things that stand out to me are when the offensive line failed in those situations, not when they made yardage. Am, am I right. off? You know, I never charted anything like that, but I had the same feeling watching the games that it wasn't a line that could, you know, just bowl people out of the way. Um and 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 be successful and so did he say it was third and fourth and short runs? Hmm. Interesting. I'd have to take a look. I mean, I I just have no idea. I really don't. And plus, honestly, some of that you just can't factor for the fact that Kareem Hunt shakes tackles better than I think any other running back in the league. He uh, and, for the season he did. Yeah, and so it's just tough for me to really separate Hunt from that because he's so good at it. He's, he always gets more yardage than he should. But to be fair, it could be my own anecdotal memory is ruined by some instances of him getting blown up in the backfield. you know. And then you start looking for something, and you know how that goes. But yeah, I really don't know. Um, the offensive line overall was a disappointment to me this year. But here's the caveat for that. They were playing really well. Before, like, because they held their own against the Eagles, and the Eagles have been terrorizing people this year. Like, they weren't yeah, great. Yeah. The LDT injury, right? Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Yeah. Before the Morse and LDT injuries. And when Morse came back, he wasn't himself. He played worse than I've ever seen him play. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad they shut him down because he has a chance to recover for next season. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really curious what they do because Fulton played better at center than I've ever seen him play. And so it'll be interesting. I I still think that's the same page, right? Yeah. That, that, what? that you think that you think that Fulton can be a viable center, and that uh, Morse can can make that switch and be a viable left guard. I I'm not sure about Morse's size and height at left guard, but you know when you look at some of the other guys there, generally speaking, guards are a little bit heavier than centers. Um, mm-hmm. and Morse was already a little light, but true. I mean, here's here's the thing. I I had never seen Fulton play center at the level he played center for at least a few games there. Um, with if Fulton can play at that level consistently, I would be comfortable trying it out. The reason I never was before, and I talked to you guys about this, is that Morse was so much better at center that it it didn't make sense to me. But now I'm finally at the point because people would say, "Well, Fulton's ninety percent is good," and I'd always be like, "No, he's not. He's like maybe 70. If that, um, 
he seemed to play the position a lot better. And so to me, it's like, well, okay, if he could be 90, 95% of what Morse is, I wouldn't count out Mitch Morse playing any position along the line. I think Mitch Morse is a guy, if you gave him an offseason to prepare, he could pass off. I don't think he'd be good, but I think he could pass off at tackle. I really do. Mm-hmm. I've got a, Now, to be fair, we all know how much I love Mitch Morse. But so are you are you willing to pay Fulton seven or eight million a year? Uh, if that's six million a year, see, and that's where it gets complicated because you know <laughs> now now again Fulton can do some pretty useful things, and if you surround him with guys like LDT and Fisher and Morse and Shorts, guys that can get out in space, you can kind of limit how much he has to do that. Um. Right, but at the same time, you're also going to have to pay Mitch Morse in the next two years. Uh-huh. So paying both of them is going to be problematic. Well, and that's and that's where you just got to ask yourself, you know, is it harder to find a center or a guard? And I don't right. know. In this class, I think it's harder to find a center. And then, so then, it's just worth asking yourself because you know you've got a you know you've got a you know you've got a center right either way. So if you let mm-hmm. Fulton walk, Mitch Morse walks in there. And a lot of it, I think, probably depends on their opinion of Witzman. I personally don't think Witzman did a very good job. Uh, I agree. He, he had a few good games, especially as a run blocker, because um, he could get out in space and move really well. But, man, did he blow some assignments. Okay, and, and understand, I'm not trying to com- – uh, this is going to come off. I'm comparing LDT and Witzman. I don't think that they're on the same level. But is there any thought process that Witzman could become an LDT type player in the future? I have we seen anything from from Witzman? I haven't, but I'm just asking the question because I haven't watched the guy. I don't see it, um, and maybe Ryan would disagree with me. But with LDT, the issues were so clearly his utter lack of of, of technique and previous coaching. the 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 base strength was clearly there, and the the incredible athleticism was clearly there. And you, the failures were pure technique, right? And they were like, oh, okay, I'm still learning. Kind of like when you see a Passigno fail, right? It's just mm-hmm. pure technique stuff. Whereas with Witzman, for one thing, he's been playing because you know, he played collegiately. He's been in the league a little bit longer. And so for me, I just don't see it. Because by the time LDT was in the league for as long as Witzman had been in, has been in the league, you saw him drastically improve from absolutely like gets owned in the preseason to not a very good starter. And then, you know, that third year he made a leap. And so I, yeah, I don't I happen to agree with you. And I'll tell you one other thing. And it's, it's the difference between, and I know LDT played at a level that is, is a D three. I don't even know if it's comparable to that, yeah. but Amongst his peers, the other thing that I really liked about his film early and that we've seen this come to fruition is that he's nasty. He's aggressive in the trenches and he finishes blocks. He reminds me a lot, honestly, of this kid that's going to go in the top 10 that I wish the Chiefs could grab and Quentin Nelson out of Notre Dame. That guy is amazing. Right? Exactly. LDT did at his Canadian level what that kid does now. Right, and obviously, like, can you imagine and, putting him next to Fisher? Yes, whatever. I can imagine. Nelson, vividly I, if if the Chiefs, I mean, there's no, they just don't have the draft capital. But if they, no, right. I mean, they just don't, and that's unfortunate. And hey, you know what? They did what they had to do last year, and I'm glad they did it. But yeah, I mean, because I think Nelson's going to go in the top ten. That guy, his guard. I was watching him, and it's even like now. To be fair, the last time we got this hyped about a guard was DeCastro, and he ended up. Dropping late in the first, I think. Yes, very true. And so I do think a guard will drop, but I got to tell you, if that dude starts getting to like the twenties, someone's going to trade up and get him because you would think because so. he's a stud. And if the Chiefs but, were to put together, I mean, say they get, and I know we're going to talk about this in a bit, but say they get seconds for Alex Smith, and you're going to try to put a package up to move up into the first round. If you're going up into the first round with the, the set of needs that this team has, it can't be a guard. I'm sorry. I wish it could be, but it can't. It's got to be a corner or a pass rusher, right? Now, I would I would agree with that for the most part, but I will say this. I will say that of all the things that you can do going into this draft, anything that's going to protect your franchise QB, I would be okay with. Because I think you could if, – if you still have a second-round pick – and a third round pick. I think you could still go and get a corner and maybe a pass rusher. You know, I, I, 
you know, let's say let's <laughs> say they've cleared up thirty mil in cap room, right? And let's say they go out, and we're going to talk about this hopefully in a minute. Let's say they go out and they sign, you know, they sign Trumaine. They make a big splash in free agency, right? And then they, you know, man, you know who I really want in free agency, <laughs> even though it'll never, ever, 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 ever. You know. Oh, my goodness. There's no way that dude doesn't get franchised, though. Oh, I know. Right. Oh, he, he was the only player I saw all year tear Mitch Schwartz apart. And maybe I'm wrong. I'm maybe the, maybe someone will correct me. But he was the only guy I saw beat Schwartz multiple times. And I mean, he, he beat was Schwartz like, better than Von Miller beat Schwartz, and, and he got a couple on Schwartz. Yeah. I mean, he really, because, you know, we're used to seeing Schwartz to hold his own against Miller and Mack. And mm-hmm. I mean, he, he did great against Bosa. He destroyed Bosa. It was awesome. Um, but I mean, Lawrence, that guy's a freak. The problem is that dude's going to get franchised unless they're, unless they're crazy, but that might limit. Well, no, because Irving is a restricted free agent. So that's a bummer. But other than him, I don't know how many pass rushers there are out there that can really help in free agency. I agree completely. It's thin. Good. Yeah. And that's why you almost have to draft at the position and hope to catch lightning in a bottle. So let's go ahead and jump into your article that you wrote about being the GM of the Chiefs. Let's yes. Why don't you break it down for us? Um, there is actually one that I've like changed my mind on since I wrote the article, but I'm still super back and forth on it every time I write this. So the long and short of it is, per over the cap, and I'm just going to use their numbers, even though they're, I'm sure they're not exactly correct, but you know, just for the sake of having the same thing, per their numbers, the Chiefs were like 8.3 over the estimated cap. Right, they're in the hole. That obviously isn't good. And so my thing is the Chiefs have some obvious holes, right? Whether you want to look at corner, um, pass rusher, or safety. Their offense, honestly, other than guard, I'm pretty okay with it. Um, you know, they could use some help at receiver. But overall, I'm pretty okay with it, right? On defense is where the holes are, and that's where they need guys that can plug and play. So you need money. And so Real I'm, quick on, on, on offense, I have to ask the question. You said you're okay with the wide receivers. I may, I would make the argument that I think Conley and Robinson are going to be better in next year's offense with Mahomes than they ever could have been under Smith just because of the separation uh, that Smith wouldn't throw to. You know, what I was, are your thoughts? I was really discouraged with how Robinson played with Mahomes uh, against the yep. Broncos. But, I mean, here again, I don't know. I think they went into that game – like with like the plan, like it's you and me, let's do this. And I think Robinson lost to nerves a little bit. I really do. I think he felt like that was his shot. And that's why you saw Mahomes stop going to him and start going to Albert Wilson. Because Wilson's been there before. You know, he wasn't really trying to prove anything. And he made Wilson look like a pro bowler. Um, so I, I, but I do think that Conley's particular skill set with Patrick Mahomes is much more valuable. Like way, 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 way more valuable. Now we'll see. Ryan will love that. Are you a big Conley guy, Ryan? I think you are, right? I am. Uh, yeah. I think he. Uh, I don't want to. He's a bulldog guy. Well, <laughs> and you know what? And that's fair, folks. Uh, just just for everybody's information, I have family that attended and paid the university a lot of money down there in Athens. But uh, <laughs> beyond that, they they run a three four scheme that's their base. They shift into a big nickel. They run a West Coast offense. They are a feeder school for what Andy Reid and this regime does, and it's just too easy to make those connections. Right. Well no and I, I Conley's good. I I like I like how Conley plays. Um I think he deserves more targets than what he got. Um but, but yeah, his skill set didn't really necessarily match up with Alex Smith. Although Alex would go to him in key situations, and Conley mm-hmm. he he showed out. And you know, man, I, I just you, can I just on a side note, and then we'll move right back into the article. One thing that I'm really really upset about is Tyree Kill's hands issues in the playoff game because he had a year where he dropped like I think it was three passes all year, and then he drops three in the playoffs. And now I've got idiots telling me that he's got bad hands, and I am. I'm I'm so mad at him for that. It's like, dude, come you know, on. You, you. Well, it's hard to be mad at him because I think it was really a focus issue. I, I well, do, and here's oh, the thing: you got to remember point. he's a second-year player, yeah. affected by the postseason, and a team that that is physical. Right. I, I think the same thing goes for uh, Butker. 
Right. Uh, another rookie well, but, who just lost focus at a time in, in a big pressure situation. I well, think that has to be baked into the scenario. Yeah, and I well, but I forgot about the that. big thing you're forgetting on that. The big thing you're forgetting on that though with Hill is he just lost a family member the week before. Right. Someone's, so I, it was either a dad or a grandfather or someone like because I think he called him Papa, and so. You know, that I, I actually had forgotten that when I went on my little mini rant there because that would mess with people. I remember Macklin after he lost his best yeah. friend, it took him weeks before he looked like himself. And, you know, yeah. we take for granted the ability to just go out there and focus. But what looked like what was happening with Hill is that he was pressing. And I think he wanted so badly to do well. You know what I mean? Whereas normally it seems like he just goes out there and plays. And that that'll do that'll do that to anyone. So okay, never mind on Tyreek Hill, I'm sorry. So anyway, here's the deal. We need we need cap space, right? Especially on defense, because that's where we need guys that can plug and play. We saw our defense get old overnight. We've got the I mean, do you guys agree with me if I say we have the core in place on defense? We have a core you can build around. Would you agree with that? Not necessarily. Really? The the premier position in the NFL, has a guy at the top of the list who struggled with injury and is 29 years old now. They don't have another pass rusher outside of Justin Houston. I am not convinced that D. Ford's going to be healthy. I think that's a big hole. Okay. If you besmirch Houston again, I will. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm just saying the guy's human. You know what I mean? He's getting older. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, if, I think, if they if they had a true pass rusher ready to take over, I, I'd say you're right. They have a core. He is getting older, but he also has less wear and tear than a guy normally his age would. Right. Well, I'd I'm say you, yeah, we, we've got a couple years of prime Houston left. Would be my guess. A couple years, maybe a few more, because pass rushers are weird, and he is not. He's not dependent on freakish speed like D Ford, right? He he's got a de- he's got a good first step. But he's got Houston. What makes him so tough to defend is that everything he does is very good. He doesn't have an elite first step. He does have elite strength, right? Um, but I mean, his first step is very good. His his technician is he's a very good technician. He's a very good. He's got very good agility. You know what I mean? None of it is necessarily like like Von Miller first step, right? Or I mean, like the freakish strength of like a clowny, although they play different positions. But Houston, he's just – he's so good at everything. And I think that's going to age pretty well. He's also become an incredibly technically proficient pass rusher. So I think he'll be fine for a couple more years. What I mean by that is when I say I do think edge rusher is a concern. When I when I see a, a defense with, with Chris Jones, Justin Houston, Reggie Ragland, Marcus Peters – and Eric Berry, I see very good players at every level, right? That's a good point. And that's what I mean by you can build around it. Now, there's gaps to be filled in for sure. And that's why we saw that, I think, down the stretch. Um, there, there, were some, mm-hmm. there were some schematic failures, but there were also some just talent failures, in my opinion. So, so anyway, with defense, you need guys that can plug and play, which means you need to spend money. You know, Trumaine Johnson's going to be a $15 million a year corner. I personally think it would be worth it. I really do. Um, now, that would eat half of what you got, but not really because, right, $15 million a year doesn't mean $15 million next year. The Chiefs have loads of cap space in 2019 and, and, and beyond. Just loads. Um, I don't know, man. That's a lot to pay for Tremaine Johnson. I'm just saying. It, you, it, it's it's the it's the price to play though with with good corners. It's like anything else. You have to overpay a little bit in free agency and then hope that they continue to play at a very high level with you. It's the Calius Campbell bet, right? Mm-hmm. They 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 paid him a ton of money, but because he's played at such a high level, it's 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 been all right. But I do agree that's a lot to pay him. But anyway. Especially if you think the Chiefs can contend this next year, which I think they do. I'm a Mahomie. I admit it. I think, <laughs> and I think they've got talent at the right spots. Um, you know, you saw what it did to the defense when Chris Jones left the game. I think that was a much bigger deal than people thought. I don't think, mm-hmm. and this was including me down the second half of the season. I started watching Jones more because I was dogging him in the first half. I didn't realize how much attention he was drawing. And and it really messed with offenses having to scheme around him. But anyway, so we need money. All right. So I made, I think it was like six-step program here. Step one, trade Alex Smith. And some people want to argue about that. Most don't. I and mean, people see, you know, they saw the Denver game. They saw the progress Mahomes has made. And they saw the plays that he was capable of making with second stringers. 
And you know what I mean, that people saw. They saw how the playoff game ended. They're ready. So that one's a no-brainer. That's 17 mil. And by over the caps numbers, that gets you to 8.2 million in space. And so that's another thing. Let me ask you, though. Are you trading just for draft picks, or are you looking to pick something else up? You know, I'm telling you. I, you know, let's say John Dorsey wants to draft like Rosen or or or, or that other guy from uh, UCLA, Darnold. Darnold. Yeah, you can tell I watch a lot of college football. Um, right. Let's say Dorsey <laughs> wants to draft one of those guys, but he wants to kind of take the long the long term plan. So maybe you call up Dorsey and you say, uh, "Hey, uh, you know, you, you want to turn your team around quick, right?" And Alex Smith is a guy that can help a team turn around. I agree completely. So, so you say, well, I'll tell you what, you got a lot of second round picks. Why don't you give us a, you know, a second or a third rounder and Josh Gordon and we call it a day now. So you, that's where you're looking at as a, as a wide out, huh? You know, I mean, it, it, that just happens to be one of the few spots where I think you could get a great player in exchange for Alan, Alex Smith. There, there are a lot of teams with corners that I'd love, but you know, you could call them up and they'd say, no, we're not going to do that. So it happens to be a unique sure. situation in, Cleveland, where I think John Dorsey, especially with some of the comments he's made, he's going to say, okay, we've got to compete immediately. And drafting a guy in the first round might not be the way to go, especially with, you know, Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson ain't Andy Reid. Um, well, and, and, and I could be wrong, but Josh Gordon doesn't seem like a John Dorsey type guy either. So, exactly. Uh, then moving on from him doesn't, wouldn't surprise me. Right. And I think he's only got a year left. And so, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to, to buy yourself a year because I think you throw Alex, because that roster isn't without talent. It's got some guys that can play a little bit on it. They just had unbelievably bad quarterback play. And so let's say John Dorsey, because they've got like what? They've got like three second rounders, those two first rounders. So if they can trade for Alex Smith and then draft a developmental guy and then draft an impact player with the number four spot and then draft another Mm -hmm. couple guys, you know what I mean? Make some moves in free agency because they got money. Now with Alex Smith there at quarterback, Alex does give your franchise some legitimacy, whether Chiefs fans want to admit that or not, right? Well, yeah, and that that seventeen million is a drop in the bucket for Cleveland. It is. Ryan, go ahead, go ahead and drop the name that you want because I know you want to. You know, you know, I I think this deserves a, a lot more discussion, uh, and I think we'll hit it next week. But I, I'm with you, Seth. Yeah, I, I think that is probably the premier draft partner. I'm looking more uh, uh, at the left guard that I think they have an elite player in the making who's been underutilized at this point. And I, th- I think he could round out this offensive line, and I'm going to do right up on him next week. And we'll talk in depth about that possibility. That sounds sweet. I'm excited to talk about that. Um, oh, okay, yeah, money-wise, I'm going to blaze through these, okay? You trade Alex Smith. Get it. You cut Tom Mahali. Cut Derek Johnson. Um, and people always want to talk about restructures. And Ouch. Yeah, oh, I know. I know. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But the fact is, both KPL and Reggie Ragland looked better than DJ did last year. Even as DJ improved down the stretch, I didn't think there was a noticeable improvement with him on the field. Okay, you said and, you hate it on DJ. Did you hate it? Did you hate it with Holly? Not as much, no. Okay. I like Holly. I like him a lot. But DJ, other than Jamal Charles and Eric Berry, is it, those are my three all-time guys. I, I yep. love those guys. Um, DJ is just, um, he, he's just special. He, he is just, he's, he's just special. And again, I love Tom Bahali, but DJ is special. There's just something about the way he plays the game that is just so much fun. You know what I mean? For a guy that Todd Haley benched and is now yeah. the, the franchise tackle leader. Yeah. And, yeah. I think that's, and, and plus DJ's personality. And this is all due respect to Tom, but DJ's a little more likable. <laughs> I, I just he just is, and so so you you cut. Is DJ is DJ where he is if if he doesn't get benched? I nope. don't think so, but I don't know. Yeah. I, but I, 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 I I just I had to bring it up. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Todd Haley. For yeah, that, so. we we owe him at least one thing. So here and here's the caveat with DJ: if DJ is willing to not restructure, because restructuring is just pushing money down the road. That's a terrible idea. That's how they got where they're at, cap wise. And they're finally mm-hmm. almost about to be free and clear, right? And so this is not the time to double down on mistakes of the past. So here's the one caveat with DJ. If DJ is willing to come back for a veteran minimum with the understanding, DJ, you are going to be a part-time player like last year, only more so. 
Mm-hmm. If he's willing to do that. Of the yeah. And, and here's the thing. Because people are like, well, you know, he'll be another year removed from the Achilles. That's true. And he did look better as the year went along, but he still looked slow. He yep. looked slow. So, I mean, that's the one caveat. We're talking, you know, a million bucks. I, you can't, right, you right. cannot pay more than that for a big so, player. But like you said, that's not a restructure. That's a cut and a re-sign to a fresh deal. It is. And if DJ's willing to do that, and I think DJ, he's a prideful guy, but I, I am hoping that he sees what happened with Jamal and says, I, I don't want that. He is open to that. I think so too. And I just, I, I'm hoping he's thinking, I don't want that to be me. Now we'll see. Um, you know, Holly, I don't want that. Um, I don't, think he's worth it right now. DJ can still help a little on the field. Holly, he just can't stay healthy. Um I would even I would even argue that DJ deserves more than a million and that he'll probably get it if he comes back cancer. Yeah, but you know you could you could, you, you could do a couple million, but you can't do eight million. And so no, 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 no. And so, I'm only saying two or three at, mo- at most. Right. And so with let's say we have to cut him because I don't want to assume things about contract negotiations. We've done that with Holly. We've done that with DJ. We've traded uh, we traded Alex Smith. So now according to over the cap, which is actually super conservative, and I like that with their estimates, we're at twenty three point one million. Which that's now we're talking feasible, right? My step four, if if Alan Bailey isn't willing to sign an extension, which I'd be interested in extending him because he's he's due eight million bucks this next year, two of which is guaranteed, right? You can make yep. a very he's only twenty eight or twenty nine. Twenty eight. So I mean defensive linemen generally play very well into like thirty three, thirty four. He's not reliant on his speed. So I think there's really the materials there for a very reasonable extension because Bailey's a useful mm-hmm. player, and the Chiefs, they can't afford to lose talent on the defensive line right now. So yeah. he, he's one that I would really look hard to extension if he's unwilling to do it and do it at a reasonable price. Then you cut him, and then you'd save yourself $6 million. So then we're at, per their numbers, $28.5 million. And then I would cut Demetrius Harris, and that brings you to a little over thirty million. Demetrius Harris, I've seen enough, um, and I know you guys have too. Um, I think you guys have too. I have no comment. Really? <laughs> I, I just I've and, seen- and I will tell you this: there's another guy. I want to see if you bring him up or not. Um, okay, and that actually, though, as far as big cuts, that's it. That's my step six is three players that people bring up all the time. D Ford and I get it. Darrell Revis and I get it. And Ron Parker, that one I don't get as much. Um, but here, here's my deal. We saw that Sorensen cannot play a full-time safety role this season. And if you cut Ron Parker, you're running the risk that he has to. I know some people are like, oh, McQuay looks good. It's like, well, he can't stay healthy. Ron Parker is a bad tackler, but he's good in coverage. And with Eric Berry back... And then hopefully Sorensen and Parker. We're, we're a year removed from Barry Parker Sorensen looking like a great safety trio. We're just yeah. one year removed I, from that. Let them get back to doing what they do. I'm glad that you bring up Sorensen because I think he should be cut. I think he's way overpaid. If they keep him, he his cap number, not his salary, but his cap number, is higher than both Daryl Rivas and Marcus Peters. Four point eight in savings. Yep, and I think you can find it, a guy on the street to play it, as well as he does. Is it four point eight in savings? I thought he just got signed to the new deal, and so he had too much dead money. That's why I didn't bring him up. Well, I'm looking at uh, Spotrac. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not looking at the same thing you are, but that's the number that they have for him for cap for 2018. Right, but how much dead money does he have? I don't care. I care about cash space. Let me look. Well, that, that's what I mean because the dead money affects the, the cap space. That's my one thing because I looked at him. No, that's Darrell Revis. What am I looking at right now? Maybe we shouldn't take my word for anything. No, his dead cap will be two. Um, but against the cap, you'll say 3.75. Dead money is money out the door that has not been recovered. It's mm-hmm. not cap. Mm-hmm. That was interesting because what it showed on OTC, it only saved me like 1.8 to cut him. And I just thought, you know, he was useful as the third guy. Mm-hmm. And so, I I, you know, I'm willing to take a look because safety is just not a position that I'm comfortable with on this team. Um, and that's why I'm not looking to fiddle around with it too much. Um, and plus, man, Bob, Bob Sutton's so dependent on his safeties. So anyway, 
Um, I know we're running real short on time, so I'll just sum it up. Um, you know, with Ron Parker, he's good in coverage. He's good with Barry. He's, I think, the senior member of the secondary. I don't think you want, when you're going to probably have a lot of turnover on defense, I don't think you want to get rid of that guy. Um, he also, and people are forgetting now because of a few bad missed tackles, he made some good plays this year. And he made some important mm-hmm. plays. He saved multiple touchdowns. And he saved the defense's butt a few times from some really stupid decisions by Eric Murray. So I'm not willing to get rid of that guy. Darrell Revis, I actually, since I wrote the article, I've been more like, eh, yeah, maybe we could just cut him because his number becomes $10 million. And mm-hmm. while he played pretty well from what I saw, um, that's a lot of risk. And, you know, $10 million bucks can go a long ways towards getting a corner that maybe you could keep it for longer than a year. Um, people talk a lot about his effort in the playoff game. I'm kind of lukewarm on that whole idea. You know, Derrick Henry was going to get that first down no matter what. Darrell Revis did. Revis wasn't stopping him. Yeah. yeah and, and, and I'll tell you this yeah. too. You can let him go. And like you said, if you are unable to get a guy that you want to invest in the future that you can see years down the road, nobody was beating down Darrell Revis's door. That's true. And yeah, you could release him and then, and he might be too prideful to come back, but if you're the only team knocking, he might anyway. Right. So that, so with Revis, I could take it or leave it. I think 30 million in cap room is more than enough to make moves because while you, you, you don't want to just backload every contract, you can, with 30 million, you can front load a few, backload a few. You know what I mean? And they've got enough room over the course of the next couple of years to be creative with their contract designs. You know, and that's I've always wondered why GMs don't do that more often. You know, take take one contract, finish it, and then base the structure of the second contract, making sure the guy still gets his payday. But like, okay, the big payout year for the contract I just did was year two, so we're gonna make the big contract payout for this one be year one, and then the next guy I talk to it'll be year three, right? But make sure. sure that the guarantees are there. I don't know why they don't do that. This seems simple, but whatever. Um, with regards to D Ford, D Ford's back scares me. Um. And that was ultimately I, that, was that the last injury he had that ultimately took him out, as far yeah. as I'm aware. And and that that's that's me too. That frightens me a great deal. But at this point, um, I'm I man, the Chiefs are hurting for pass rushers, and D Ford isn't a great pass rusher, but he's not bad. And when you're hurting for pass rushers. I just and and I'm a Passanio guy. I think he might be very good, but I think you got to at least see how Passanio looks in the offseason stuff and in preseason before you even think about getting rid of D Ford. Uh, just because, and that's because we saw oh. against the Titans. You know, once uh, once Chris Jones went down, Houston and Gruden was even talking about it. And it made me so grateful. Houston has been a man alone all year except when Jones has been on rushing the passer and you just, it doesn't work. You cannot have one good pass rusher or one great pass rusher, even one great pass rusher. Von Miller has never had a situation where, well, actually, you know what? This year, you notice the Broncos pass rush wasn't that good this year, right? The absence of DeMarcus. Yeah. The absence of DeMarcus. And then obviously, you know, Wade Phillips was a big deal, but this is when you don't have another good pass rusher, it hurts you. And so I'm just not willing to get rid of D Ford. And again, it comes back to me. This is the time of year where people love two things, cap space and draft picks. (laughs) And I'm, I'm the kind of guy that's like, well, you know, let's not assume that an unknown is better than known competency. D Ford is a weakness against the run, but you know what? Then play Passigno in the early downs and put Ford on the field on on third down. Sure, Do, make him a bit, make him an overpaid bit player to make sure you've got a viable pass rush. Because some of the stuff they were doing early in the year, moving Ford around, moving Houston around, I think that could be successful, especially with Passigno added into the mix. And so, uh, so I, I kept oh, Daddy Nicholas. Is, yeah, Daddy Nicholas will come back too. I think that's going to be bigger than than people are giving the credit for. I sure hope. I'm not so. saying he's going to be great, but I think he's going to be able to add another dimension to the pass rush. I that that would be great. I'm not going to count on it, but I, that would be awesome to see. Right, I agree. I like his attitude too. Yeah. Well, so okay, real quick, Seth. I know we're over time, <laughs> but we usually are. Um, <laughs> do you think are you, your your next article? You're going to be talking about free agency. Is that also going to include the guys on the Chiefs that you would bring back? My next article is going to be a bit of a shorter one because I'm going to focus on it in stages. So the next one will be on guys I would bring back and guys I would let walk. 
Gotcha. And then I'm going to go into free agency because I mean, there's plenty of time to talk about free agency. Can, so, can we tease right. it real quick? I, I just want to ask yeah. about the, the the guy that does the punting. Ah, yes. Um, what was he? Four million last year. Yeah. I mean, if he's willing to come back for you know half, half that, that, sure. <laughs> okay, that's exactly. Well, what and, I was and here's and, and and here's the thing. I like Colquitt, and he's a good, uh, generally speaking, directional punter. But maybe it was just me. Now, he had that one. What game was that? Was that the Broncos game? No. Yep. Was it? He made yeah, that was. unbelievable punt, like that like 75-yarder. That was like yep. – That was that was in the half. Yeah, that was so great. That was just – I mean, and you don't often see like a punt where you're like, oh, my goodness, but that was amazing. But here's the thing. Low-key – over the last two years, Dusty has not been as good, in my opinion. I like I've noticed a few more. Like, man, that punt was kind of short. You know what I mean? Can't argue. And maybe, and maybe it's, I'm glad that it's not just me. That's just what I've felt. Now, to me, I'm trying to figure out was that just because my expectations are too high? But I don't think it. I don't think that's what's going on. It's a tough one. No, I don't think it's an expectations thing. I think. Well, the other side that you're seeing is that. His punts seem shorter, but also all the kickers that are coming in now are booming the ball even more. They absolutely are. I'm going to warn you guys, my battery is about 20 seconds from dying on my laptop. Well, folks, it's been great talking to Seth. I hope you check out everything on Airhood. Pride, thanks for joining us, pal. And we lost Seth there at the end of the interview, but, uh, you know, honestly, it's probably a good thing given that uh, we would have gone on and on and on. Uh, great talking with him as usual. Uh, he's going to be with us all off season. So while we kind of wrap up this season with the season end uh, film session, we have plenty to talk about. Uh, we will be going back and forth on the draft, on the GM point of view, the whole nine yards. Remember, we have a great interview with Matt Miller coming up next week. Thank you for listening to us today, and we will talk to you with that one. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time. You sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.